We writers have a tendency to trust other people's opinions of our writing over our own, which leads us to seeking feedback before we've properly reviewed the work ourselves. I encourage you to get out of this habit and build trust in your own editing skills. You are the only person who can see the image that you're trying to render on the page. Learn to feedback on your own work before requesting feedback from anyone else, and you'll find that you can share with more confidence when the time comes. We start with a piece of our own writing, a paragraph, a page, a whole chapter, and we make it shine. We smooth our words to polished ice, and our work becomes a captivating prism that can refract the truth like light. You know your work best. Start believing that your opinion of it matters. Hello there and welcome to episode 7 of the Fearless Writer podcast. My name is Beth Kempton and I am so glad you're here. I've created this podcast to encourage you along your writing path. It's a companion to my book, The Way of the Fearless Writer, which is where the opening words of this episode were taken from. I hope you will read and love the book and that along with the podcast, it will inspire many words of your own to flow. In today's episode, we're going to explore how to go from a vague idea or a spilt page of words to a polished, shaped piece of writing, how to develop the discipline of editing your own work and learn to trust your own opinion and knowing when it's time to get support from elsewhere. Many fears and doubts that we writers carry are connected to potential judgment of the work and by association of ourselves. What will others think? Will people hate it and tell others that they hate it? Will that mean they hate me? We think about potential rejection. Will the magazine turn me down? Will the agent or publisher say no? How will I cope with the humiliation of that? And we worry about potential success. What if my spouse can't handle it? What if I have to talk in public? What if I become famous and hate it? Ironically, although these fears and doubts swirl in our heads from very early in the writing journey, they have no foundation whatsoever until we actually share our words with other people. So before we even go there, which we will do in next week's episode, let's first do what we can to coax our work into the best shape possible before we even think about sharing it and what might happen when we do. What I really want you to know this week is this. When I was researching my book, The Way of the Fearless Writer, I surveyed more than a thousand writers and it was clearly evident from the responses that we are scared to share our work, but even so, we often share it too early, before the writing is ready, which invites criticism, which then feeds our fear of sharing and so on in a vicious cycle. Of course, the opposite of this is being paralysed by perfectionism and never letting our writing be done. So how do we know when something is done, or I should say, done enough? This is tricky because it's so often personal in terms of being a personal call, and we can keep shaping a piece ad infinitum, but there comes a point at which we have to move on in order to make room for all the other things that we haven't yet written. I'll talk about that more later in the series, but for now, I'll just say it's good to check in with your intention for a piece. As it stands, does it achieve what you want it to? Read it aloud. Do you stumble anywhere or get bored? Could you cut anything without losing sense or beauty? Have you used three words where you could use one? 
Have you underestimated the intelligence of your reader and given them so much detail that there's no room left for their imagination? If you ask yourself these kinds of simple questions and then take action with your pen, it can make a huge difference. Take a break from it once you've done that and come back with fresh eyes. Ask those questions all over again and you will be able to do a significant editing job all by yourself. When I write books, I do the absolute best job that I can at that moment in my life. I pour over the book for weeks. I ask myself the kind of questions we've just talked about. I check it and recheck it. I read every sentence aloud. I cut things, move things, tweak things. And then a day comes when it has to be done. I have a deadline and I have to send it in. And then it comes back from the editor a few weeks later and I can immediately see a few other things I could do to make it better, either because the editor has pointed them out or because the distance that I've had from the manuscript in those few weeks has allowed me to see it with fresh eyes. So taking a break from your work can be really important. This idea of training yourself to recognise quality, editing your own words and trusting your opinion, but crucially without judging yourself along the way, is one of the most important things you can do in order to protect your writerly heart. Editing is a discipline which can be learned and it is not personal. Editing is always about the writing, not the writer. Don't make it personal. Imagine if you had a really, really nervous writing buddy who asked you to give them some feedback on a piece that they've been working on. If you took it upon yourself to call them an idiot for all the mistakes they made and you questioned their value as a human being because they used too many adjectives, do you think they'd ever ask for feedback again? Do you think they'd ever speak to you again? Do you think they'd ever write anything again? And yet this is often how we show up for ourselves in our writing circle of one. It's the way we talk to ourselves when we're judging our own creative work can just be crushing. And sometimes we expand our writing circle of one and invite all sorts of people to the table, like the ghost of the old English teacher who told us you will never amount to anything, or the aunt who insists that people like us don't write books Or the argument you keep having with someone about squandering time on writing when you could be doing the housework or earning some money. Please, stop right now. Don't bring those people to the table. Don't speak to yourself like that. There is a difference between judgment and evaluation. Judgment is generally really unhelpful and sometimes harmful, but evaluation is absolutely essential if you want to do anything with your writing. If you don't want to do anything with it, you just want to journal or let your words spill out of you and you don't intend to show them to anyone, then you might never revisit them again. And that's, of course, totally fine. But if you do want to share them with other people, perhaps put them forward for publication at some point or whatever else you might do with your words, it's really important to be able to evaluate your own work and based on what you figure out when you read it back to learn how to make it better. And by better, I mean stronger, perhaps to make it connect more, make it tighter if that's what it needs, or make it looser if that's what it needs, make it more impactful, make it more atmospheric. Whatever it is that you're going for, whatever it needs, the more you can learn to do that by yourself, to identify the issue and fix it, the better. So just to be clear, the difference is if you're judging and being personal, you're saying things like, wow, you messed up there, or well, that's a mistake, that's rubbish. Whatever you say that's basically not very nice, that's personal. And it's very different from looking at the same piece and saying something like, hmm, this is working, but this isn't working. I wonder why. Oh, yes, here's why. 
that's not personal. That's an observation. It doesn't include the word you. (laughs) It's an evaluation. It's finding a question to which you can then find an answer. It's so much more constructive and helpful. And it will help you become a better writer rather than a less confident writer. It's much better for your heart to do that, I promise you. Neil Gaiman once said something along the lines of, if someone else tells you something in your writing isn't working, they're nearly always right. But if they tell you how to fix it, they're nearly always wrong. If we can take a step back and try to see the work as if it's something someone else wrote, which we've been asked to read, we can do both. We can see what's not working without making it personal and judging ourselves. And then we can figure out how to fix it because we wrote it. Of course, this is easier said than done, this idea of stepping back and making it all about evaluation instead of judgment, because that's just something we do so often in our lives and it's a hard habit to kick. But our disciplined writing practice can help. And there are books that can help you actually learn to make better sentences too. I've put some of my favourites in the show notes and I really recommend you pick one up if you feel like your writing needs more work. One of my favourites is draft number four by longtime writer for the New Yorker, John McPhee. And in it, he says, writing is selection. Just to start a piece of writing, you have to choose one word and only one from more than a million in the language. Now keep going. What's your next word? Your next sentence, paragraph, section, chapter, your next ball of fact. You select what goes in and you decide what stays out. At base, you have only one criterion. If something interests you, it goes in. If not, it stays out. That's a crude way to assess things, but it's all you've got. Forget market research. Never market research or writing. Write on subjects in which you have enough interest on your own to see you through all the stops, starts, hesitations and other impediments along the way. When you take what you've spilt onto the page and look at it with an editing eye, It's all about selection. I also offer my own guidance for editing your own work in Chapter 7 of The Way of the Fearless Writer in the form of four lenses through which to view your work in order to shape it. And these will also help you build confidence in your own opinion of it. So I hope you will take a look at that. You'll also find lots of exercises in that chapter to help you practice. Someone recently asked me how I approach writing and editing. They asked, do I write an entire draft of a book in one go and then edit it? Absolutely not. Perhaps other people do, but I don't. I gather fragments and over time I merge those fragments into the book. Some of those fragments are absolutely tiny, just a few words. Some of those fragments might be several pages long, but they are definitely in pieces. And part of my process of writing a book is bringing them together. I go back and forth between a big idea and many tiny details. I develop a chapter structure or the structure of an article I'm going to work on. um, But I stay open to changing that all along the way, even right to the very end. I turn the whole project into a series of questions and I spend time with each question. I give a lot of attention to atmosphere and I usually write a lot more description than I end up using. In truth, I don't have what I would call a first draft of a book until a few weeks before my submission deadline. I mean, I could have been working on a book for months or even years, but what I would call a first draft, where there is from page one through to the end of it, something on every page that flows and is in the chapters it's going to end up in, 
That is just a few weeks away from my deadline. To be honest, it seems to be all over the place for quite a long while and then suddenly it will come together and then I go over it several times with different intentions each time. I might do a promise of change read. Does the piece do what I intended it to do? Will it bring about the change in the reader that I'm hoping for? I might do a sense read. Does my argument stand up all the way through or have I contradicted myself? I'll do a structural read. Is the structure balanced? Does it come full circle? Does it make sense for what I'm trying to say? And I do what I might call a slice read. Is there anything I can slice out? Can I cut from the manuscript to tighten it up or make it better without losing something important? I'll do a detailed read in terms of the language. Is it as poetic as I want it to be? Or is it too poetic, too flowery? Is it clouding the meaning? And I'll do a flow read. Is it a pleasure to read? Or do jerky words get in the way of the experience or whatever? And I often do that by sending a PDF of the manuscript to my Kindle and then I read it out loud as if I'm recording the audiobook. And this is a brilliant way of spotting errors, noticing repetition and um, seeing any clunkiness that your brain might miss when you're just reading it silently on the page. Of course, for something much shorter like a magazine article, it's quite different. I'll get clear on what I want to achieve with the article. I might sketch out a rough structure uh, make some notes for a few days and then on one day I'll just sit down and write the whole thing and then usually I'll leave it overnight and read it through once more and make any tweaks before I send it off. I also get asked a lot how to know if your writing is good enough. To be honest there are other people better placed than me to answer that question, people who are trained in teaching the craft of better writing, people who know all the phrases of grammar and all of those things. But from my point of view, as a writer who has written several books, um, there are a few things that I'd like to say about that question. How to know if your writing is good enough. First, I'd say check in with yourself. When you say good enough, what do you mean? Good enough for what? Good enough for who? Unless you're intending to publish it, the quality of the writing often matters a lot less than the experience of writing it. You certainly do not have to polish every sentence that flows from your pen. But if you're working towards a particular project with the aim of publication, either through your own channels, like you're writing a newsletter or a social media post or you're self-publishing, or you want to go through a partner channel, you might want to work with a book publisher or a magazine, for example, then of course, quality does matter. Now, Robert M. Piersig, who's author of the classic Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, had a few things to say about quality in his book On Quality, An Inquiry into Excellence which was published recently, posthumously, and is a collation of his journal entries, snippets from speeches he's given, and other bits and pieces from around the writing room that I imagine to be full of motorcycle maintenance tools, as well as notebooks and all sorts. And in that book, which is really quite fascinating, he said, Quality is a characteristic of thought and statement that is recognised by a non-thinking or intuitive process. Because definitions are a product of rigid reasoning, quality can never be rigidly defined. But everyone knows what it is. That is actually a very bold statement. We spend a lot of time seeking validation from other people, but actually, if he's right, everyone knows what quality is, which means we know what quality is. 
And I think if we really spend the time to step back and try to look at our work objectively, and especially read it out loud and feel it, we know whether or not it has quality. Now, that isn't easy, of course, as we've discussed, it can very easily get personal when the ego gets involved. But if we can detach from it as a judgment of ourselves as human beings and instead simply carry out an evaluation of the piece to read it and feel it, I think Piercing is right. I think we know. Of course, you might get to a stage where you feel that you do need input from other people. When you get to that point, please choose those people carefully. Just because someone is related to you or even just because they're a writer themselves it doesn't necessarily make them well-placed to offer feedback on your particular piece. And handing over your piece for feedback does not absolve you of responsibility. It's up to you to give them specific questions to point them towards the kind of feedback that you need. And we're going to come to that next week. But in terms of doing the best that I can with editing my own work and making it the best that it can be, For me, it comes down to practice, to studying the work of other writers, to taking notes of feedback from trusted sources, to being open to seeing areas of improvement in my own work and diving back in over and over again. It's not a quick process. You know, I'm going to let you into a secret. Not a lot of people know this. A couple of years back, when Wabi Sabi had taken off, the publisher of my first book, Freedom Seeker, who's a different publisher to the publisher of Wabi Sabi, said that they would like to repackage Freedom Seeker with a different title and a reworked manuscript to make it a much shorter book, like some of the pocket-sized ones that were doing really well at that time. And this is something that often happens in publishing, repackaging of older titles. And at first, I thought it was a great opportunity. And with the blessing of my new publisher, I said yes. And I went back to the book and I started getting red pen happy. I noticed that I wasn't actually cutting sections as much as I was trimming my own sentences. And with just 18 months more experience since I wrote Freedom Seeker or finished editing Freedom Seeker, I could already see so many ways that I could make those sentences better. And I kept going in this fashion, crossing stuff out, until I was a couple of chapters in and realised that although I could sharpen some of the flowery sentences and say the same thing in fewer words with greater impact. The book did work as it was. The structure was sound, the reader journey was powerful, and it absolutely delivered on its promise of change. I mean, I had evidence of that from many, many messages and emails from readers who had who told me that it really helped them find their way back to feeling free. So Something was niggling me about this idea of redoing it. And in the end, I went back to the original publisher and told them that I had decided against the repackaging. To be honest, part of me wanted to honour the version of myself that had written the book as I did a good while back without wanting to have to tell that story all over again when it was republished. I'd grown so much with the writing of Freedom Seeker. I'd literally written myself free and written myself into this new writing career. I had new stories to share and I wanted to focus on them. And although some of the sentences in that book made me cringe a tiny little bit because that's not how I'd write them now, that is how I wrote them then and it was good enough. And so I did that, I turned it down and here we are 
in the meantime, I've had the space to write three other books and get three other books worth better at writing. I'm always trying to make my writing better. Feel free to get yourself a copy of Freedom Seeker and go through it with your own red pen. Be my guest. Seeing what adjectives and adverbs you could happily chop away, which cliches you could replace, which sentences you would tighten. I actually think this is a really interesting experiment, whether you do it with my books or somebody else's books. Find an author whose work you like, who has written several books over several years, and read everything that they've written and observe how they're writing has evolved over time. This is a fantastic reminder that we are all works in progress, as is our writing. I know for sure that if I waited until I was the writer I want to be, there's no way I'd have published a book yet. And yet, writing each book has helped me do the growing I need to do to write the next one. So we can take responsibility for making our work the best it can be at any particular moment in our life and also for moving on so we can keep making things. Of course, if you get to the point that you're writing a book, you're going to have a professional team of editors to help you. And it is an incredible privilege to have these brilliant people work with you directly to make your writing the best it can be for that particular book. On the one hand, I have been amazed at how little editors change. And it really is your book. It's the manuscript that you submit. But on the other hand, even the tiniest of tweaks have such an impact And I've learned so much from those editors. They've made me see some particular bad habits that I was completely blind to, you know, overuse of a particular sentence rhythm, for example. That level of detail, that's really amazing to have that, you know, from kind of mentor as you're trying to grow and build your own writing career. And if you can train yourself to see all the red marks on your manuscript that come back from the editor, not as a personal insult, absolutely not, not even as any kind of criticism, but actually as a gift, because that is going to help shape your writing. It is an incredible opportunity to learn. But having said that, the more you can shape a manuscript yourself before it goes to them, obviously the more professional it looks, but also the more they have time to get right into the detail and the sharper your manuscript is going to get by the end. If you hand in something that is really a total mess, they're going to have to put so much energy into working it into shape They are not going to get to the finer details. If you can give them a manuscript which already works, but they just have to point out those fine details, you're going to end up with something beautiful. So it's worth spending time to learn how to sculpt your own words as well as you can at this point in your life. Okay? Anyway, enough chat. It's time to write. Today, you're going to need some writing that you consider to be beautiful or brilliant something that you really admire that has been written by someone else. It can be anything, a poem, a short passage from a novel or a memoir that you love, even a children's book or any other writing that has stayed with you. So pause the audio, go and fetch it and then come back. As with each episode, I'm going to invite you to breathe slowly and deeply for a few breaths to settle yourself into the writing moment. Then I'll read a spark which, as you will know by now, is a short reading or poem that can act as a catalyst for your own words, okay? So we breathe, I read the spark, we write for two minutes, and then I'm going to give you the writing exercise. We're going to be writing for a little longer than usual today, so make sure you're listening carefully. Okay, 
At the end of the time, you'll hear a gong and I will wrap up the podcast. If you'd rather keep writing, of course, feel free to carry on. Um, just pause the audio and keep going until you've finished. I'd love to hear how you get on with this. Feel free to share by tagging me on Instagram at Beth Kempton, hashtag Fearless Writer Podcast. Okay, let's go. First, take a few deep breaths here. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Let's keep going for a few more breaths to arrive fully here. Today's spark is a poem called Blackbirds by Julie Cadwalla de Staub, which you can find in the gorgeous anthology Poetry of Presence, edited by Phyllis Coldye and Ruby R. Wilson, which is published by Grayson Books. I am 52 years old and have spent truly the better part of my life out of doors, but yesterday I heard a new sound above my head a rustling, ruffling quietness in the spring air. And when I turned my face upward, I saw a flock of blackbirds rounding a curve I didn't know was there. And the sound was simply all those wings, all those feathers against the air, against gravity and such a beautiful winning. The whole flock taking a long, wide turn as if of one body and one mind. How do they do that? If we lived only in human society, what a puny existence that would be. But instead we live and move and have our being here, in this curving and soaring world that is not our own, so that when mercy and tenderness triumph in our lives, and when, even more rarely, we unite and move together toward a common good, we can think to ourselves, Ah yes, this is how it's meant to be.
So take the piece of writing that you have chosen, a piece of writing by someone else, your poem or a short passage, and read it out loud. Listen for its rhythm and its pauses. Okay? So first of all, pause the audio and switch it back on when you've finished reading it out loud. And now I want you to transcribe your poem or passage into your notebook, every word of it. Of course, make sure you make a note of the author or the poet and where you got the snippet from. And as you write, feel the words taking shape on the page. Look at the way they work together. Look at where the spaces are. If it's a poem, look at where the lines are broken. What is said and what is left unsaid? Make some notes. Pause the audio again while you do this. And now, if you can, describe the personality of the piece in three words. Have you done that? Wonderful. So, today's writing exercise, you know, it's not done yet. <laughs> that was just a copying down exercise. Today's writing exercise is to write a piece of your own as a tribute to the original. Something that could be described using the same three words. So you might be inspired to mirror the theme or even the style, for example. Of course, you are not copying and you are definitely not comparing, but rather you're just looking to this piece of writing for some kind of inspiration, some seed or just a glimpse of something that would connect your piece with theirs, with gratitude for the teacher on the page in front of you. And if you actually end up using your own poem that you write that was inspired in some way by this other piece of art, this creation in front of you, if you've tried to capture a feeling or a sense or something from that poem very clearly, then it is usually courteous and expected to add a note after with the name of the person who wrote that. So your poem might be after Mary Oliver, for example, if you had used a Mary Oliver poem for your inspiration. I'm going to give you 10 minutes for this, and then I'm going to come back with one more piece of the puzzle. Okay, so 10 minutes, go.
And then lastly today, I invite you to change your piece in some way. Make it smaller, make it shorter, but in doing so, you're not reducing it in any way in terms of its impact, its power or its beauty. So you might cut 30% of it. You might move the end to the beginning and slice out a piece of the middle. Do whatever you like, but make it stronger by changing something and eliminating at least one thing. Okay, 10 more minutes, go.
And that, my friend, is all for today. Take a moment to read over what you have done and look at the difference that it made when you cut or edited or switched things around. And remember, you used your own sense of quality, rhythm and feeling to choose that piece in the beginning. Then you use that same sense of quality, rhythm, feeling to write your own piece. And then again, you used your sense of quality, rhythm and feeling to shape it and make it better according to your evaluation of what better means. Good job, you. I'll be back next week talking about how to fearlessly share your work with the world. It is a big one. And in the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave a lovely review and a great rating so others can discover it. And of course, please tell all your writerly friends. You have been listening to the Fearless Writer podcast with me, Beth Kempton. This podcast was produced by Untapped Talent. The theme music at the end of the podcast is The River, sung by Danny Nichols and co-written by Danny Nichols and me, Beth Kempton. You can listen to the full edition of this gorgeous song, All About Life, on iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, or wherever you get your music. And you can dive deeper into your writing with my book, The Way of the Fearless Writer. Complete with 50 original writing exercises, I hope it will help you release the gold that is buried deep inside, spilling it as ink onto the page. And remember, my friend, you are a writer, and the world needs your medicine. to the end.